Good evening and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. How are you, Rob? I'm doing all right. How about you? Good, man. I, I, you know, it's been a been a hard week on the JMU front. I think a lot of us uh, have, you know, been thinking about things much bigger than spring games and JMU's, you know, regular season games. Um, but I'm doing okay and uh, glad to be here. We are coming down to the end, Rob. We really, with lacrosse wrapping up the regular season on Saturday, you know, I, there's a, I don't know, a couple more weeks of baseball. And, you know, there's some track stuff, but coming down to the end of the CAA finally, and um, honestly, kind of mercifully coming to the end of what's been a really odd JMU sports year um, on top of, I don't know, I just said really odd two or three years of JMU sports, <laughs> you know, for reasons well outside the control of <laughs> anyone involved, sort of. So, um, yeah. Looking, I, I we said we were getting on tonight, and I was like writing this down as season six, episode thirty for us. I have no idea our total episodes, but um, I don't even know when I turned it over to season six. I think when they started, I like didn't know we had the, seasons. Yeah, I've been listing them as seasons in the. Oh, wow, the, fancy. Yeah, I know. And uh, for a while, they were like kind of year by year, but then COVID made me break them up a little more. And then I think this was the start like last summer before, after the spring season was over. Um, and I've kind of just hung in there. And now I was realizing I only have two more months until we're going to be like turning over to season seven. Which oh, will be that's nice. going to be the best and season. The highly yes. anticipated season. Yeah, seven. Yes. Yes. So um, good time. And we're going to have fun tonight. Big thanks to Kara Ritchie from uh, Arkansas state media last week for a, a really good show during a tough week for us, like both scheduling and kind of JMU wise. Um, but I really appreciated her perspective and she was a lot of fun to talk to last week, Rob. That was really cool. Uh, I enjoyed and, having her on. I thought it was fun. Um, yeah. And, we and hat tip to lessons. Andrea Clay, who kind of put the bug on our ear that we should be asking about food and drink options and visiting. And yeah. I thought that was some of the most fun stuff because it gets people excited to share their hometowns, which is always fun. So yeah, I, that was we, we really learned some stuff last week talking to Kara, and yeah, thanks to Andrea. Like that was really cool. Um, so looking forward to doing that with the rest of our Sun Belt series. We'll be kind of back either next week or the week after with that. Uh, we'll see. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the shop there on West Market and pick up all your spring and summer angling needs. Uh, it was a beautiful day today, hoping for a few more of those. I know we're going to get some rain later in the week, uh, but good time to get out there. And if you mention the podcast, you get a free sticker from Mossy Creek and they have some cool ones with the trouts on there and everything. So it, it um, worth going by there. Even if you've gotten your stickers, go by and mention the podcast anytime you're in there. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, you can rate and review us anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, tonight, Rob, we're going to do a little bit of a, I don't know, a mini mailbag, right? Uh, small ask us anything. We've got a couple questions to talk to. Um, to Very to many answer. because we lost our patience and recorded an hour or so earlier than we normally yeah, do. We so, did. so questions uh, might be coming in as they speak, but we'll just, we kind of save some of these things and we'll hit them when we, yeah. when we get to it. If late, if one's coming later. Yeah. But a couple, I think there are three, um, you know, kind of hard sports topics. We should just at least mention, well, one, you know, real Jamie sports item. I think the first one is lacrosse. Uh, we should talk about that. The women wrapped up a perfect CAA regular season run. I'm really, really pleased with the way they handled their business uh, in the last game of the season this weekend against Drexel. It was really fun that they, you know, you never know with the selection committees and everything. I've seen, I read one article. It's hard to find a lot of like national women's lacrosse coverage. Uh, there is not a lot of it, but what is I, what is kind of ironic and a little bit rich is that there is a lot of discussion of both James Madison and Stony Brook mm -hmm. um, because Stony Brook's conference is doing the same bullshit to them that the CAA is doing to JMU. And Stony Brook is doing the same thing to its conference that JMU is doing to the CAA. Correct, which is all yeah. funny because Stony Brook is taking JMU's spot in the CAA <laughs> while going through this. And both of these teams are now, JMU today 
is now ranked 10th in the nation uh, in the latest poll. They're actually a little higher than that in the NCAA RPI, which is really the more critical ranking for at-large tournament selections. Um, and Stony Brook is right. I, I mean, depending on your source, I think in most places, Stony Brook is about one spot ahead of JMU. Um, so there are going to be two bids. And the weird thing is the CAA traditionally gets more than one bid to the lacrosse tournament for the women. This is a weak CAA year. So there's some complaining. <laughs> um, and then Stony Brook coming out of the America East, I believe, they have a, they've only one other time have they ever had multiple bids. So they are absolutely stealing a bid. Um by not getting a chance to play in their conference tournament and win it. <laughs> the same thing with JMU. So, I don't know. Pretty rich. But I think, we think, we are very hopeful that this time, the selection show is 9 p.m. on Sunday on ESPN+. Plus. It may be on ESPNU as well, but it's definitely on the plus. And um, we are optimistic, right, Rob? Yeah. No, that, I'm very optimistic. Yeah, very optimistic that JMU will have, um, will be in the field Uh you know, it's weird. I know men's lacrosse this year has a like massive bubble. Like there are some big name programs that not all of them can make the tournament the way that it's yeah. like, there's some serious bracketology discussions. I, there may be in the women's game as well, but it seems like both JMU and Stony Brook are kind of, you know, clearly above the line at this point. Yeah, I don't know what else. Yeah, it would it would be borderline scandalous, I think, if either it, one of them missed out. You know, it they, would you be, can play yeah. the, they're both riding big win streaks. It doesn't Stony Brook have like a something insane, like a 30 game conference win streak. Yeah. I think JMU has won what eight or nine straight heading on the yeah. stretch. Like they're, and they're both kind of like perennial tournament teams. Absolutely. I mean, JMU obviously only, you know, four years removed from a national title. Stony Brook, you know, final four material. The last few years, you know, wasn't Stony Brook number one? This yeah, season they, you won it. Yeah, yes, and so they like, lost to BC in the not, other semi. Yeah, these are these are like, um, you know, these are Davidson Gonzaga type <laughs> mid quote mid major teams. Um, you know, these are not out of nowhere teams. Uh, so it's not St. Peter's. No, no, not at all. And and in the sense of like bid thieving, the thieving is being done by the conference. Like, yeah. You know, stealing a bid for someone else who is undeserving, not by these yeah. two programs. So, but hopefully we will have um, something set up to talk about next week. Uh, you know, at this point, I didn't I, even think about that. There could be some backlash. There's going to be a good team that misses out because of the bids really that should been, have gone to Stony Brook and and JMU. That's right. I mean, if someone like yeah. Drexel or Towson comes out that. of nowhere, you know, like I think Delaware might be sort of the favorite semi-favorite yeah for the caa but like yeah if somebody sneaks up like i have to wonder if the ncaa isn't going to eventually take a look at this whole like ineligibility for conference tournament nonsense because yeah i mean i i saw like georgetown men's lacrosse if they don't win the big east tournament like they could not make the field and there's some people that would be really like that's where you start getting into like, you know, I, I don't know. That's really frustrating. If you're the ACC or one of the conferences that takes this really seriously in the women's side, you know, the Big Ten, and you're Rutgers and you don't get a bid because some clown team from the America East gets the second bid because Stony Brook had to get an at-large. Like, I, I have to think you're really pissed off about that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it'll be interesting if anything comes to that. I mean – who knows? I, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that next week. But big congrats to the women, uh, and it was really satisfying, Rob. Just that, you know, I know softball. We'll get to uh, women's basketball, even men's basketball. At various times this year, we kind of had hopes that, you know, maybe they would go on a real fu run, and no one was, no one was able to do it on the field. But lacrosse was, and it was nice to see them just. Go six and zero. <laughs> Leave no doubt about who the best team in the conference is. So, good luck to them on Sunday. We'll be watching and uh, certainly talking about that next week. Uh, Rob, the second thing was a little disappointing um, on the football front. You know, draft, post draft, just haven't had much. 
Uh, I think Fornadel has an invite from Steelers to rookie camp. Mike Green has a couple of invites from the Bears and the Bucks. Uh, but that's all I've heard, unless I've missed something in the last couple hours. No, and for people that don't understand the difference between those rookie camp tryouts and undrafted free agents, rookie yeah. camp tryouts, it's it's just that. Yeah. It's a tryout. If you impress, maybe you land on that particular team's undrafted free agent list and you end up in the in the preseason on the preseason roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of guys they bring in just for bodies um, to let the rookies go through it. So the odds are stacked against them. I believe, didn't Daniel Brown earn his way into the league? Via he did. Camps? I mean, yeah. it can be done. It can be done. Yeah. But this is, you know, obviously you want to be drafted and you're not drafted. You want to do undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the next level down. So mm-hmm. work's cut out for him. Uh, I got to think Fornado's injury history played a part in this. I thought he would at least be an undrafted free agent, but mm-hmm. never say never. It's a good no. opportunity. The guys are going to go in their camp and hopefully they can turn some heads, if not with the teams they are with and maybe with some other team that'll pick them up and give them a shot. And then they earn their way in through, through mini camp. So we'll see. Yeah. And I, I've been, you know, I've been kind of hopeful for both Cole Johnson and Ethan Racky. So we'll see. I mean, those are both positions that are a little, a little more difficult, I think to like, there's only so many gigs. <laughs> I mean, especially well, there's basically 30 kickers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Nobody's carrying just, two or three kickers. Right. You got and a kicker, maybe, then maybe a, an emergency kicker and your punter or somebody right. who kicked in high school. Well, and you see um, the kickers and punters kind of cycle through like yeah. Canada, the arena league, the USFL. There's like, a pool of people that are kind of yes, always like you running. might, that chance might come through a non-traditional means for Ratke if he wants to keep doing it. Um, so we'll kind of keep our hopes up for that this summer. And even Cole Johnson, like I'm not kind of giving up hope. I thought it was ac- actually kind of um, typically asinine of the Washington Commodes franchise to uh, – did you see they signed Cole they took the Kelly? Southeast Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, like as their undrafted free agent. I mean, yeah. obviously having drafted Sam Howell and having like a number of other quarterbacks – good or bad on the roster, um, you know, not, no Coles of any variety were likely to make that roster, but it was just ridiculous to me. I'm like, well, really? Like, like we watched that game just a few months ago, like six months ago. And yeah, anyways, but who knows? So good luck to the guys who have an opportunity. I'm really hoping maybe in the coming weeks, we'll have a little more to report there, but a little disappointing. And then lastly, Rob, the last piece of news, um, softball officially announced they were canceling the season today. Uh, I don't have any like commentary on this. Uh, I did see, you know, it was born and vice president of student affairs, uh, Dr. Tim Miller, that kind of spoke to this, which I think was a appropriate that it was at that level and be, you know, indicative of the, I don't know, the seriousness with which JMU tried to approach this decision. They had one game remaining with UVA that was supposed to be scheduled for tomorrow, and they had one series left on the road at Elon this coming week. Um, They mentioned the hardest thing was the seniors. I did see, you know, it's it's a hard thing because I have to imagine the players, it seems like the players had all the say in this, in what to do. Yeah, yeah, Miller and Bourne made comments that, that they did have a voice, the players and the coaches. Yeah. So it sounds like this was I'm, – I'm sure there were people who felt differently, but this was pretty much the consensus or the majority yeah. opinion. Um, I, if that's the case, it's the right call. And, yeah. and I'm only going to say – right is probably the wrong word. There's not This isn't a right or wrong thing. No. I would have – if they wanted to play, if the team felt like it was best for them to keep playing. Uh-huh. I would have been fine with that. I want to cheer for them. And if the team collectively decided, Hey, we're going to shut it down. We need more time to process this. And there are bigger things than softball. I support that. I, I think it's really cool that they were given an opportunity to voice it. I also think, as we mentioned, this is a much bigger problem than JMU or than college sports, but I was pretty encouraged by Miller and Bourne's comments that they're already making some changes Mm-hmm. For the way that they support athletes and mental health, they're already making some changes for the way that they support the general student population. So this is an awful tragedy. Nothing will ever change that. But maybe this is the one that wakes people up and spurs some real some real change, you know? Yeah, it seems to. And, and I have to, you know, 
we, we, we all became a little bit aware of it last year with JMU's run to the World Series. Softball's a really, it, it, it is a community. And we've seen that in a different way, you know, um, you know, it's not to say that one is, there's no, no difference, right? Whether it was the Stanford soccer player or the Wisconsin track athlete or now the James Madison, you know, with Lauren Burnett. But the softball world is really, you know, they've made, it's been really amazing. And I've been torn about it at times because, uh, you know, it's like, are you, uh, you just, nothing feel. there's no right answer to any of these questions. Um but certainly an unbelievable like outpouring of support from across the collegiate, like all levels of softball, right? Pro college and high school have all, you know, just across the nation. I mean, everywhere you can think of, you know, Washington, Oregon, Cal state Fullerton, like these programs that don't really have anything to do with JMU. Um, you know, that that's been really it's been touching. I mean, it's, it's cliche to say, but it has been. And it seemed like the JMU players, I saw Alexis Bermuda's tweet, tweet, um, you know, to all the teams saying they're dedicating their season to JMU the rest of the way. Like, thank you. I wish I had the chance. And that's where you, you know, you feel for the kids who maybe wanted to play a little more. And of course, part of that is uh, here we are at the CAA decision again. And I, I, you know, I, I don't want to, belabor this it's certainly not that you know none of this is the caa's fault i don't suspect but i just again it's the idea of the adult you know trying to punish the adults you know they're punishing jeff born just Don, another Don alger and the people who suffer for it yeah. are these kids are and, the students the yeah students. and i just you know the the women on the team i you know i don't know i don't know how if they had the opportunity to play in the caa tournament and what that meant to another tournament, like I don't know if that would change their decision or. Uh, but it, to me, it seemed like an obvious choice, and they made the choice that it promotes the best healing for them, um, which is the only one that's correct. But so I, I just I don't know. But again, it's like just so frustrating that like it, for a conference to talk about the welfare of the student athletes and then continuously and, and to not think ahead to these are the situations that we're talking about when we say you're not looking out for them. So just really praying for the program, Rob, you said that last week. I just hope that they, you know, just, I don't know. I, I don't have any, any more thoughts than I did last week. Just feel for those kids and those coaches and there's no wrong decisions, but I hope they can all find, you know, find their paths forward uh, as best they can. So uh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. No good segue here, Todd. But I, I just recalled that we forgot a bit of very positive news for JMU, and that Noah Friedel, the what? transfer from South Dakota State for basketball. Well, yes, 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 yes. Yes. Um, and you know what? Semi-related, if we're going to be honest about this. You know, yep. he, he was arguably the most talented guy still out there in the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, was the Summit League freshman of the year a couple of years ago and stepped away from the team. And then this year played like, I think 17 games and then stepped away due to depression, anxiety issues. Um, he, he said it just wasn't the right school for him. He wanted to find a place where he could be in a better, better situation, more cared for. I mean, this yep. is, it, it's kind of, it's weird timing. You got to mm-hmm. be honest. Like it's very weird, but pure basketball. This yeah. is a home run. Yeah. This guy well, is legit. It's, it's, uh, you know, shot like 39% from three. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's a bucket. And this is, he's a difference. He's a difference maker in the Sun Belt. And I think he, JMU goes from like, hey, what are they going to do? And overall, they might raise the Sun Belt. To, you got to be thinking that they're going to be amongst the contenders heading in year one. Well, and I he's, just, he's looking that good. at the, yeah. And I looked at the roster. I mean, holy crap. I saw what Bennett and, uh, you know, Jack, yeah. the Jack were putting out and like, yeah, there's like 10 or 11 guys in this team that are legit division one players. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, even if like one or two of them don't make it to the, you know, game one, this is still a really good roster going into next year. And yeah, I mean, also I, I thought Ben and Jack have been doing a good job talking about like what the needs were and mm-hmm. they've been a little, they had expressed some, you know, kind of tongue in cheek frustration that like, 
basically JMU had all these good players, but they're all kind of the same player. Yeah. <laughs> like they need, they didn't have tall, big people and they didn't have shooters. Shooters. You know, and like. They're a shooter now. Yeah. Now they have a shooter and they kind of have a big guy. Like that's kind of the things they've been addressing lately. Like they had a lot of, you know, slash good players, but not. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is a, this is exactly the shooter they needed if they can get him on the court. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't know. Hopefully they, hopefully this is the right spot for Friedel because uh, yeah, the talent is unquestionably there. You know, we reading between the lines, it sounds like a kid who needed to get out of his home state, his hometown a little bit. Oh and, yeah. You know, we've seen that go the other way at times for JMU. So, it, you know, hopefully this, the change of scenery will be really good for him. Um, but really exciting from a basketball standpoint. You're from right. From a basketball um, standpoint, it's it's thrilling. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and, and just, just thinking of, like, the players they have on the roster and having him stand in the corner shooting threes or on the wing shooting threes, this could be really exciting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that good. I'm glad you mentioned that. So... Really fun news there. All right, Rob, let's get to some questions here. A little old guys leave, or, uh, you know, taking it back here with a, a well, couple we, questions. We got a couple from, from yeah. Pim, Pim sent in a couple, and I think these are just okay. kind of general topics. But um, at Pim Yeager RVA says, which Jamie sport needs to step up the most in the next five years to contribute to Jamie's success in the Sun Belt? It's got to be baseball, but I'll shut up and listen. Well, <laughs> he answered it, his own question, but. This has been a theme of all of our Sunbelt conversations. Uh-huh. Baseball is about to level up. Um, the competition is going to get much, much more difficult. That is either something that JMU can shy away from and de-emphasize, or they can really approach with full gusto and go for it. Mm-hmm. I think they're clearly going to do that. They're going for it. Like mm-hmm. I think they're ready to make the leap, um, but they're going to need to. This is a no-joke baseball conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, what, what's your take? Is is are well, Pim and I just being too too on the nose, or is there something more? Is there another program we're not thinking of? So, how did he ask the question again? What do you say? Which needs to step? Which up? Jamie Sport needs to step up the most in the next five years to contribute to Jamie's success in the Sun Belt? Well, I, I guess the thing I would say is like I don't know. I mean, I think you're just there. Two there's almost like two different ways of approaching this. Baseball has a long; they have a big delta just to get to the middle of the Sun Belt, right? Like yeah. from where they are now to be competitive, just to they yeah. need to step up. But, and so maybe that's the answer. Maybe that is the answer to like, which team needs to step up. But the teams to me that have the opportunity where the opportunity is brightest for the next five years is both basketball programs. Like, it, to me, that, that, and what I mean is like that's kind of you could that's arguably a strength for JMU. I mean, I think it's unarguable. It is a strength on the women's side. It is close to a strength on the men's side, um, or at least we see the beginnings of a strength. I think you build on that. I mean, I just, I just think that conference is ripe for, ripe for the taking in that sport, and I don't think anything lifts the overall athletic department profile or like, like take advantage of that a little bit. I mean, I think there's some arguments to be made for like, I guess you could say men's soccer. Yeah. You could certainly say baseball and softball. Um, But I just feel like in terms of like JMU realizing, getting some return on their investment for moving up to the Sun Belt, like, you know, if, if they made two men's tournaments in the next five years and three women's tournaments in the next five years, like that would really put you on the map potentially um, in addition to just football. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, and maybe the most obvious answer is football. I don't know, but I just, I'm confident still in football till we talk NIL in a little while, but baseball is the baseball is the answer to step up. You're right. Pim. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'd say baseball. Like I agree with everything you're saying, but I feel like those programs, it's like continue the path that they are on. Mm-hmm. Whereas baseball just needs to make a jump. You yeah. you need, you know, another show Walter. You, you need, yeah. you know, another Delauder. You, you, you've gotten opportunities. They've done some good things this year and everybody's very excited, but they're still around a 500 program in a far lesser league than the one they're going to. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, it, things are looking better than they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. 
but it's you can't just continue on this path and expect to compete in the Sun Belt. You need yeah. to drastically, you know, steepen the the learning curve, so to speak. Well, Whereas and I basketball, think the, I think basketball, you can just keep t- keep doing what you're doing, and it will pay off. Yeah, baseball, I think so you got to change things. Yeah. Well, and I think baseball has the biggest like, uh, um, on campus at JMU, like they have an opportunity. Like, you know, we saw already this year what men's basketball could mean to the campus if they're mm-hmm. good early in the season this year, we saw what that means. And, you know, I, I don't know. Whereas baseball, I feel like could be a whole nother, like another addition to the program that we just haven't had before. So yeah, that's a good point. Well, what's Pim's other question, Rob? This is a good one. This mm-hmm. is five years from now. What do you think JMU football will need to have accomplished in the Sun Belt and FBS level to consider the transition a success? Whew. Uh, wow. That is a good one. Um, <laughs> this is a hard one, Rob, because there's like big, big picture answers, which are like, they need to stay in the relevant national division one conversation in terms of like, yeah. if we have a major shakeup coming, which is almost inevitable. Like I would like for them to stay on whatever side of the line has an opportunity at a playoff spot someday. Right. Um, but then there's also the kind of like year to year, week to week picture, which to me would be five years from now. So three bowl appearances. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I, well, I, I guess no, I, I was going to say, so I was going to say three winning seasons. Yeah, that's which kind is of basically, what I, which is the that's same basically thing. a bowl. Same thing, yeah. I would say three um, winning seasons and one, then and I'd like to see one, you know East at least either, East yeah, Championship some, game appearance. East Championship, you know, Sunbelt Championship game appearance. I'd probably say a, I mean, would it be I don't think it would be too far fetched to say one Sunbelt title in the next five years. Like that that's the plan. Oh, that would, I, I mean guess, that's a home run. That's a home run. They win that's one. a home run, but, yeah. But, but a championship, uh, the, the, an East title, yeah, an e- one East title by the fifth year, I think, is the way to probably look at it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but Three I was going to say, seasons. yeah, I was going to say like one championship, but I don't want to yeah, box myself wanna. into saying that if they don't win championships, it's a failure. I think if you're consistently winning, yes, and you're drawing crowds, I mean, we could keep going and and and, and you know, yeah. and you're getting a marquee opponent you know, in home and homes. Like there's a lot of ways to look at this, but overall, I just think if, if you're winning 60% of the time, mm-hmm. you got to feel good about that in a transition. Yeah. yeah. Obviously if they come out like gangbusters and they win the league in year two or three, yeah, that's awesome. But it's just more to me, if you had three out of five, it would demonstrate that, Hey, they're at the right level and they're competing. And to yeah, me, that I think, would, be, I think that's, would be the success. Yeah. That's kind of the way I'm thinking of it. I mean, I have, relatively high expectations. And I don't mean that I'm, I'm not one of these fans predicting a, you know, a nine and two season this year or something, but I have the expectation that they will be within a game of 500 one way or the other this year, which I think is a relatively high expectation for a Mm -hmm. first year FBS program. So if they could get, I mean, that's my hope is that they can keep this like above 500 streak going this year. If they could get there, that'd be really good. Um, and then they kind of hopefully can find their footing and, you know, maybe by year three kind of have a seven and four, eight and four type season. And then, you know, by year four or five is when I'm really kind of looking out at like, okay, could they really contend um, in the Sun Belt? So I'm trying not to be too unrealistic, but those would all be, I mean, I think the biggest thing, Rob, you hit on it. They need to sell out games. Yeah. Um, they need to beat Old Dominion this year. <laughs> like, like I mean, those, those are like two things that are kind of, to me, like basic building blocks is they, they have to put their stamp on this JMU Old Dominion, you know, recruiting war, state battle, whatever you want to call it. They need to put their mark down there soon. Um, and I think they need to sell tickets and, and have fun. And yeah, all those things are good. Um, 
And I do think a lot of this is going to be driven, you know, we can talk a little bit, Rob, but I think the NIL discussion, you know, JMU's also got to figure that out. I'm not saying they haven't or that they're wrong or anything. I'm not complaining in any way. I just think everyone at their level is like in kind of catch up mode right now. It seems like almost everyone at every level is kind of. Yeah, I, like, I think that's even something the that, top programs are like confused about what's going on, right? It's um, it's a little bit crazy. I mean, that kid from Miami basketball that just said he's like leaving because he wants more money. But then he like, stayed, didn't he? And then he stayed. Yeah, like it's a yeah. very weird thing, right? And I think we have a lot as fans. I know I kind of have been very confused between like there's a lot of yelling about the transfer portal and everything. They're different things like the transfer portal and the one time you don't have to sit out exception is one thing. And then NIL is another thing. And then the true like pay to play kind of USC type thing is a third thing. And I don't know. I just, I think we can all we, have to figure that out. So can we talk transfer transfer yeah. portal for a second? Yeah. Cause I think a lot of this, is misdirected at the players and it's a little Mm -hmm. bit of old men yelling at clouds. And there are certainly players that, you know, get there and it's harder than they think, or they thought they were going to start and they don't, and they just pull up stakes and leave. Mm -hmm. But the mass number that everybody is declaring this, like a lost generation. And then this is the, everyone gets a trophy and it's coming back to roost now. And that's a bunch of garbage. I think probably, Todd, tell me if I'm crazy. Yeah. I'm going to throw a number. At least 50% of these kids that are transferring are being pushed into the transfer portal by coaches. Yeah, and, it's really weird. And coaches like, are rationalizing it, being like, oh, you got to do what's right for the kids. It's also like they're screwing up in their own recruiting. And then they're mm-hmm. just kind of like rationalizing it and saying that they're doing the right thing. No, they screwed up. And now mm-hmm. they've got a guy who isn't up to par and they don't want to deal with him for four years. So they usher him into this portal. And then those same coaches go to the press and talk about how the portal is killing you know, college football or college basketball, kids don't stick it out. Yeah. That's a, that's a bunch of disingenuous crap. Yeah. You know, like it's, it, mm-hmm. A lot of these guys, it is not their decision. And they, they probably signed to these at these schools because they wanted to be at those schools and they were misled maybe by these coaches or maybe the coaches didn't do a good job betting them or just not a good fit. But like, it is not just a bunch of quitters out there. Just no. as many of these kids are being ushered out. And I'm fine with that in some sense. Maybe it is better. Coaches need to be honest with them. It's a good lesson. I am not okay with the coaches complaining that the transfer right. portal is killing them. They can't do their job. It, do your job better and you won't have this problem, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm with you on this. I, I, I mean, how many of these kids, what's crazy to me is like, I just think there were tons of kids probably in the past prior to the portal and the one year, the one time transfer, free transfer rule. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of kids who got stuck at a school and didn't realize until, say, their junior year that the chance wasn't going to materialize for them, yeah. right? And and sometimes maybe they should have read the writing on the wall, but not all the time, right? We, we know how this works. Um, and then those kids, like how many of those kids stuck it out at their school? And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? I mean, I'm sure there are instances of kids who say, you know what? I stuck it out. I had a good... Um, education. I made great friends and I'm really, you know, I, I love this school, my alma mater, this kind of thing. Like I have this great relationship that wasn't, you know, whatever. I didn't get to play, but that's what it is. But I also think you had a lot of kids who didn't want to transfer as juniors because they would have to sit out a year. And now they're like, well, this is stupid. And yeah. they never got the chance to play the thing that they dreamed of doing. So I, I just, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of coaches and I think the coaches are complaining about the transfer portal when, and so are, you know, alumni and boosters at times when some of this is more about the NCAA has essentially been forced by the legal, by their just atrocious legal strategies over the last 10 or 15 years. They've been forced to like abandon enforcement at of all anything levels, of anything. So now they're not enforcing anything. So if you have like a true like runaway, you know, a USC type program that's actually doing like a full on almost almost pay to play like full employment contracts type thing, which is probably where this is all headed anyways. Um, Certainly, if you read Justice Kavanaugh's 
opinion from last summer, there, there seems to be a lot of like real skepticism in the legal system that anything the NCAA has been doing is in any way appropriate. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that like, I think what people are really mad about is like all this kind of, you know, yeah, all the shenanigans that were going on under the table are now out are now all out in the open because there's no chance you're going to be penalized for them. Um, I just I, it, it's very difficult, and I don't yeah. think it's an all I don't think bad a thing or all good problem. I do think it's a frustrating. You look at the numbers, and I know there's a lot of people doing good research on this. Like, say there are 1,500 kids in the portal. There's only like 1,300 spots. Yeah, yeah, like you're ending up with like hundreds of kids left without anywhere to play and that and just the whole existence of the portal is also hurting the high school recruiting scene mm-hmm. but i don't think like a kid like like to me that like antoine wells is not that doesn't have anything to do with the portal or the nil or anything else that's just a kid angling for a better opportunity yeah you know and like we can all agree or disagree about whether that is a better opportunity that's a different question but I don't think that's really like that. That's not a mystery to me, <laughs> you know? And like you said, the coaches recruiting these kids. I mean, you notice even at JMU the last couple of weeks, as we've had a number of players enter the portal, none of those players were like guys we were aware of. And we're kind of nerdy fans. Like I'm not knocking those players. I'm just saying like, I think those are players that Coach Signetti or the position coaches said, here's the writing on the wall. Like there are eight guys in front of you and only six of them are going to play. You know, you can make your own decision with full information. Um, and that's fine. And I'm not calling yeah. out any Jamie no. coaches specifically, no. but I'm just talking about the general tone, the way that many big well, coaches are treating this. Yeah. It's all, oh, well, well, like this will be an unpopular opinion because nobody likes saying anything good about this guy, but I always kind of admired Calipari being the first to just lay it on the line and say, I'm going one and done. And I'm telling these guys, I'm signing you for one year and then I'm ushering you out the door so I can get in the next guys. I kind of like the way he laid it out there. I'm waiting for somebody to have that sort of approach where like, hey, I'm going to recruit the best team every year, Mm -hmm. but every spot is up for grabs. And I'm going to tell some of you, hey, it ain't working out and I'm going to replace you. Like there's something like the honest thieve aspect yeah, of yeah, it, yeah, that, that yeah. I really respected about Calipari. He didn't pull punches where other guys are like, I'm not playing the one and done game. That isn't good. And Oh, I won't guess. And they were just doing the same thing. Like that's what I'm looking for. Somebody just be upfront and honest. Go, Hey, look, this is a messed up system, but I got a job to do. And it means, you know, there's people are going to get ushered out and that's life. Like yeah. at least be honest, but just, I, I can't stand these big time coaches who, you know, are trying to push the bottom four guys off the basketball roster out so they can go over the border crying that boo hoo, woe is me. I can't do this. The portal is, is ruining college basketball. Well, no, Cal Perry's a great example for another thing too, Rob, that somebody's just going to figure out how to do it better yeah. under the new system. Because Correct. the thing I always respected the most about Calipari, and there's a lot of things I don't respect about Calipari, but the thing I respected the most is he took those one and done players and he developed them to about the maximum extent it's possible to develop a kid in one year. And then sell high. Right? Yeah. I mean, when you look at like John Wall, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, like those guys got to the league and they had had, they developed between when they left AAU and when they got to the league. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you had to kind of give them credit for like molding those teams at all to a yeah. competitive tournament team. Where I think a guy like Jay Wright, who's stepping away now, who by all accounts, it seems to be for his own personal decisions, but he really enjoyed the process of like developing a team and developing players over a number of years, right? And that doesn't mean one coach is better than the other. It's just a different They just maximize their own individual coaches. Yes. And I think we're going to find that, you know, some coaches are going to figure out a better mousetrap a little bit Yeah. on like, okay, I have to like build my roster in a different way. It's funny because there's, <laughs> there's always been this, like, you wonder like college is becoming very um, Belichickian, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? With the trend, like you can't build your roster on the back of one great player. If you're a G five program, no, 
Right? You can't just have Vadley because if you have Vadley as a junior, you're not going to have Vadley as a senior. Mm-hmm. Like that's just how it's going to be. And so you've got to build your roster in a way that the next kid can step into that spot and be ready to go. And I think that's going to be a change for, I think that's what the coaches like, they don't want to say it, but like, <laughs> you know, that's what it's going to take now. Um, and it's going to take a lot of help and a lot of work. I mean, you know, colleges are big, giant, bureaucratic, lumbering entities. And there is going to need to be some some work done between like coaches, ADs, general counsels, agents. vice chancellors, <laughs> agents. Yeah, like all these people are going to need to get on the same page at some point, right? Um, yeah. And and try to figure this out. I, yeah, I, I do think that. I mean, the days of like a player being on your roster for four years and then developing as a fifth year, you know, playing a solid contributing role, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, I'm not sure that was happening before, but yeah, you're right. I, it is a little rich that the, that the coaches are like, the transfer portal, I, I don't know. I think the more frustrating thing for coaches has to be like, I'm losing a recruit because the other school pays more money. Like that's a little frustrating. Oh, it, it stinks all around, yeah, but just like, yeah. being an adult, just being a adult, like, mm-hmm. just don't whine. That's all I'm saying. Like no. it, right. with every challenge comes an opportunity. And Calipari, again, was the first guy to recognize like, hey, I'm just going to be honest about this. And it yep. worked really well for him for a number of years. And um, I also think there's going to be a couple years here where this is crazy and there's going to be a lot of misses and everyone's going to freak out. And I think my sense with JMU in the Sun Belt is that the same things that have always made JMU attractive are going to come back around and make them attractive again. Yes. You know, once ever these kids are able to, you know, and they are able to like talk to more people and understand this more in a capital, you know, kind of a capitalism type market, they're going to understand that like, maybe there's, you know, going over here for five grand more for one year is not the best thing for me in the long run. I I think everyone's going to figure this out eventually. And, uh, and they're going to figure it out partially because all these coaches that are missing high school recruits right now, some of these high school recruits are going to be awesome at places yeah. and they're going to look like idiots for missing them. No. And right. People will realize it, it, everything cycles. Yeah. So I, yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, Todd, we got, we got two more kind of okay, off cool. the board a little bit. These are all not right. sports related. This was from last right. week. This is at Dave Butts always has good questions. Mm-hmm. Who is right on beverage temperature parentheses, beer, water, soda, oh, Luke cold good. Europe or frosty cold USA. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, Rob. I oh. Well, it depends on the quality. First of all, I, I like the way he 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 termed that Luke cold. Cold, yeah, I not think Luke that is good. Luke cold, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It also kind of depends. Does it kind of depend on the quality of the beverage? It 100% depends. Right. It 100%. Cold right. beer, I mean like cold beer. I just yeah. I said it like cheap canned 30 rack type beers, you know, your Miller Lights, your Coors yeah. Light the colder, the better. Cause you just want refreshing. You just want to crush that. You want to hold that. I don't like our good, be- like what I, mm-hmm. you and I would refer to as good beer. Mm-hmm. I don't like it super duper cold. Mm-hmm. I like it more that loot cold. And this whole myth about like Guinness being served warm. Dave's right. It's not warm in Europe. It's just, it's cool. It's yes. cool. It's like, you know, mid forties. I love that uh-huh. for, for better beers. For good beer. Yeah. Yeah. But for like, yeah, I'm drinking a proud and true right now, and it it uh it needs to be ice cold. Uh, yeah, right. It's it's just it's a basic American lager. No 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 shots at our friends at Brothers, right? But like one of lagers in general, I want on the colder side. But yeah, even warmer. that, I want warmer. Like I will take a Coors Light. Like hurts my hand reaching yes, into the cooler cold. Yeah, I will not take a, a proud and true like that. Right. Um, otherwise, I I think we kind of overdo it though with the cold in USA. Yeah. I like ice in my fountain drink, but I don't need it to be like teeth chattering. I don't need, when I was a little kid, I wanted my water, like all ice. And, you all know, after ice. practice yeah, yeah. in the summer, you dump it over here. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I want it cold, but I don't want it freezing. I'm not a big soda drinker, but again, like I'd rather have a fountain drink full of ice, but just on that verge, I don't need things like freezing, freezing, freezing cold. I don't want them weird 
I need to beg for ice in France type situation. Yeah. But generally speaking, I think we serve things or we, we say we like things way colder than we actually do. Yeah. It always cracked me. I don't, I, I, when I went to Italy, Rob, and they like, mm-hmm. they serve their like cheap wine, which yeah. is still probably better than a lot of, you know, yeah, exactly. a lot of things we have. But if you notice like their reds, the cheap, like house red, they'll serve at like almost cool, like slightly yeah. chill, mm-hmm. right? Which is their way of like, where they would never serve like a fancy, you know, a really yeah. quality one at that. Yeah. So yeah, everybody kind of does this. That's, that's what I think it is. Um, yeah. It's a tough call though. Cause I love the sound of ice rustling in a cooler. <laughs> but, I do too. Yeah. But yeah. But I'm tip, I, I typically don't have 30, you know, double IPAs right, correct, in a cooler. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. Um, so generally I, I'm, I think I'm a little bit more on the loot cold side if we're being honest, other than very crushable. Yeah. Coors Light. Ice, ice, ice cold. cold. Coors Light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. On a pontoon boat. Yeah. All right. What's All the right. last one? This is from Bennett. At Bennett oh, Conlon, yeah. our buddy. Mm-hmm. This is a good one. Any music recommendations these days? Every time you get music suggestions or include oh. songs on the podcast, I'm quickly hooked. Oh, man. Rob, you got to go ahead on this one because I... Well, uh... I was just chatting with... Uh, exchanged a message or two last week. Jamie Montrum, who saw Spoon in concert. I, every time oh, yeah. I listen yeah. to Spoon, I wonder why they're not the biggest band in indie rock slash the crossover band into mainstream. That's just a good rock and roll band, but they can go all different styles. I just, I think they're awesome. They can get very kind of trippy or ethereal. Um, great, yeah. great band. So definitely spoon. I feel like mm-hmm. we, we sleep on them. Um, do you listen, you ever listen to camp? Yeah. I've, I've, at least on the radio a lot lately on yeah. serious and stuff. Yeah. I like them kind of folksy bluegrassy a little bit more mm-hmm. on, on our side of what we typically talk about. And then I guess I've been really, since last summer, I've listened to a lot of bleachers, which is oh, Jack yeah. Antonoff. Yep. Has been, mm-hmm. I, I love that last album that came out last July. Take the sadness out of Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I bring this up because they showed the rerun of Saturday night live on Saturday where they oh, were okay. on super fun band, super high energy. I just feel like it's good peppy music. And then the last one, the, the band that I've really listened to a lot is Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. Oh, you have? Okay, because this has been a, a, there's been a dispute in our house about this one. But yes, go ahead. Did, yeah. I really, I saw him last summer. was mm-hmm. really, really impressed. I don't know. It's just, it's just good. There's like some something soulful about it, but I'm a big fan. So the, those would be my four that I've kind of top of mind just coming up without really making a list or digging deep. No, I like it. Um, I, I, uh, I'm trying to think. I don't have a good top of mind one right now. Um, Joy Aladakun mm-hmm. is a album you know that I've listened to a lot lately. Uh, kind of a little bit off the radar, I guess. I'm trying to think who else. I, I think I've actually brought this up. Um, uh, I can't. I don't think I have a lot of other good ones. I've been on. So it was funny. We talked to Kara last week, and I've been on this band kick lately. Um, which is always a fun place to always a fun group. To like the band, to. the band. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and it will take you down a lot of like cover rabbit holes that are really fun lately. Um, but I don't have anything that's been like jumping out at me. Um, yeah, I better think about this one for another week. Before have I... you, have you gotten into the, the new indie darlings wet leg with their, I have not, I've heard a few, but no, yeah. um, they, they seem to be on, like the it band. I'm I'm curious if they are going to kind of reach the the hype or if they will fade away after this first album that I think came out last week. It's a couple of good couple of good singles. It, they're not an all time great band, but I can I can definitely appreciate them for kind of fun, kind of goofy indie music. Yeah, yeah. There's um I don't. Hmm. No. Your, your your favorite band Arcade Fire has a new album coming out. Oh, don't, don't get me started. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, there's a couple songs that I love, but I guess I need to like figure out if I like the artist completely lately. Um, I've been doing a lot of the like kind of Americana music station thing. Um, I really like the band Jamestown Revival. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's another one. But I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not good lately. I feel like I've been going to my old old standbys a little too much. I've been listening to a lot of Grateful Dead lately, so I'm definitely in that same situation. Just go back to the old standbys. Okay. So we did end last week's podcast with a uh, the Grace Potter cover of I Shall Be Released. 
which is sort of a band cover of Bob Dylan, right? So like also, but, but really felt like appropriate for last week's topics. So yeah. um, all good. Yeah. Thank you, Bennett, for that. Yeah. We'll have to come up with a few more. We'll just. We'll do a summer music. Yeah. We'll do a summer music episode. Yeah. I'll, I'll get, I'll get my act together. I was doing this blind tonight. So anyways, thanks Rob. And uh, thank you to everybody that wrote in. Looking forward to seeing you guys again in, man, it'll be three months. I, I didn't do the countdown this, this week, Rob, but we're getting there. We're in May, we are. June, July, August, and we will see you all in September. So, yes. Um, that's it for me this week, Rob. Anything from you? No, have a good week, everybody. Yeah, everybody have a good week, and uh, we will be back in full force talking JMU postseason appearances next week with lacrosse, hopefully earning a bid on Sunday night. Talk to you next week, Rob. All right. See you then. Go Dukes. Shotgun lovers, I'm a shotgun